Thank you. Great to see you. If you were here last Sunday, you'll know that we launched the beginning of our 2020 vision. I looked at the headlines of what we believe God is calling us to over the next four years. And at the heart of it, it's this word to turn the church inside out. In order to do that, we need to commit or recommit to two kind of movements or rhythms in our lives, the call to gather and to go and for every one of us to go out and live as kingdom ambassadors. And today I want to talk about the call to gather, particularly the call to gather for greater glory in order that we may may then be empowered to go out with greater influence. So I don't know about you, but I am really passionate about gathering with God's people. Part of the reason for that is that my life was changed in a gathering of God's people well over 30 years ago. Many of you have heard my story. I I went up to Oxford to to uni there, and I was way away from God. And some friends were obviously praying for me, invited me along to a church service in the, the first term of my first year in uni. And the very last hymn of that gathering, that church service, I experienced the presence of God come over my life and almost like God speak to me like I'd never done before. I remember literally just almost shaking and trembling as the, there was a love and a power and a peace I never ever experienced in my life. And it was in that atmosphere of God's people worshipping, the presence of God came on my life. And I knew that God was real and he was wanting me to um, invite him in. It took me eight months to finally surrender. Uh, but it was in that gathering that God came and changed my life. So obviously now leading a church and have been leading Kingsgate for over 28 years, it's no surprise really that I and we are in faith that as we gather together, God's going to show up and do things. And I know that's the case because I've been reading many of your amazing thank you cards and many, many people saying how much in small groups and in Sundays and in all kinds of other ways, children's work, young adults, all kinds of ministries, God is showing up and changing people's lives. And I read a few of those last week and there are a couple of themes that came through. One was a tremendous sense of gratitude for belonging and home and family. The other that I want to just highlight here in the context of the message, is something about the presence of God. Here's just a few. One said, thank you, Lord. From the very first time I put my feet here, I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for such a blessed place to be every week and sense your presence with us. Thank you, Lord, for the refreshment and excitement and encouragement we find at Kingsgate. Thank you, Lord, for the love and support of my life group, for acceptance, no pressure atmosphere, uh, for freedom to worship. Thank you, Lord, for the love I felt when I walked into this church in 2004, so far away from home, and yet I felt being at home straight away. Thank you for restoration in my marriage. Thank you for the messages every Sunday that are like a beginning for each new week. Thank you, Lord, for the love and unity, dedication, unfailing faithfulness, feeling of coming home, and the Lord's presence and power of the Holy Spirit at Kingsgate. And finally, thank you, Lord, I am home. This place is the house of God. Amen. And I could read many, many more stories. Isn't that great? Testimonies of what people are saying happens as we gather. But I don't know about you, but I 
I'm expectant that as we go into this new season, 2020 vision, that we can believe for greater glory as we gather. Anyone else up for that? More of God's wonderful presence in our midst. And indeed, that's what we can expect. Because if we look back at our key scripture, which is the Old Testament passage, Ezekiel chapter 47, and we're focusing on the river, the inside-out river, it starts in the temple, inside the house, and it flows out and down into the valley, eventually into the Dead Sea. In other words, there's a movement of the Holy Spirit. It's first in The glory of God comes inside the temple and then it needs to flow out from the temple. But the point is, the glory starts inside. It's always God's way. And God has done something and wants to do something inside us in order that he might flow out from us. So so what was the temple? Well, in the Old Testament, it was a physical building. And here is God's grace. Uh, evidently at work. You see, the God who is omnipresent, that means he's everywhere, and in one sense cannot be contained, said, I want you to build me a temple, a house, in a particular location, a particular spot on earth, in Jerusalem, and I'm going to particularly manifest my presence in a special way in that one spot on earth. And if you live at the time there and you were you were a Jew, you would know that there was something about going to that particular location that you could meet with God in a special way. God would manifest his presence. And in fact, in certain times in the Old Testament, this special group who were allowed to minister in the temple, they were known as priests, had a high privilege. They were part of one of the tribes of Israel, known as the Levites. And a group from the Levitical tribe had the awesome privilege, the awesome privilege of specially ministering at the temple to minister to God and to minister to the people who came. And for those of you who know anything about the Old Testament temple, there are times in the Old Testament when the sacrifices were all done right and the priests would come together with one voice in worship and in praise, with singing and with instruments, that the glory of God, that's the weighty manifest presence of God, would literally fill the temple with the presence of God. Some of the high points of the Old Testament. Now here we are in New Testament times And we no longer have a physical temple, a building of bricks and mortar where we we are to say, that's the house of God. But there is still a temple today. There is a temple today and it's not a temple of bricks and mortar. It's a temple made up of living stones. Men and women who are children of God, who've been called by grace, who've been fitted together and in that gathered local church setting all across the world, God wants to manifest his glory and his presence in a special way. And that's one of the reasons Jesus came. He came as God in human form, literally carrying the glory of God in his person. So you could say when Jesus was on earth. He was the temple. He was the temple. If you got into the presence of this one on whom the glory was on and in, power flowed from the inside out and you got healed. 
Power from, flowed from the inside out. You got delivered. Power flowed from the inside out. You received mercy. Your life was transformed if you came into the presence of this temple of God, Jesus Christ. But Jesus knew that he was going to ascend to the Father. So one of his main missions on earth was to set up a new temple. He called a group of disciples to him. He trained them. He prepared them. He died for their sins and for the sins of the whole world. He shed his blood. He opened the way into the presence of God as he hung, hung upon the cross. He rose from the dead. He ascended on high. And then on what we know as the day of Pentecost, he then poured out the Holy Spirit, the glory and the presence of God on that new gathered group, that new temple of people. It was actually 120 gathered. And the glory of God so filled that house a huge crowd gathered, Peter got up and preached, and 3,000 got saved on that first day. What a first gathering of the church. Glory, you see. There's something amazing. There is a temple today, and it's the church of the living God. It's the people of God. And, and Peter, who was at the day of Pentecost, was very clear that the, the temple was not just, the new temple was not just for the first Jewish church in Jerusalem, it was to be for all local churches throughout history. This is what he writes um, to believers. He says, you are now called to be living stones, living stones being built into, say with me, a, a spiritual house, a new temple, a spiritual house, and we are called to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. What a privilege. You see, in the Old Testament, there was only a small group of special people who got to be priests. Now, every single child of God, every single Christian, every single believer has the awesome privilege of being part of the house of God and being called to be a priest, ministering to God and ministering to people. Hallelujah. So as we talk about commitment to gatherings, I don't want this to be our, our attitude. Oh, have we got to do this? It's, we get to do this. Ah, we get to be living stones. How amazing. It's a great confession, isn't it? Walk around, I'm a living stone. But, and I get to be a priest. Can I say priests aren't just people? Who minister from platforms? No, priests are believers. All believers are priests. You're a priest of God. And you have the privilege of ministering to God and to people. With that as a backdrop, I'm, I'm excited about this. The glory of God dwelling in his people now. Amazing. But if we want to gather for greater glory, my prayer is that the Lord will restir many of us and maybe reveal to some of you for the very first time the awesome privilege that we have as we gather. We are the house of God and God's glorious holy presence dwells in our midst. Amen. But there's something about our attitude of preparedness and honoring that presence that attracts more of that presence in order that we might see his glory manifest. So what I want to home in today is I want to go back, if you like, to the day of Pentecost. This first temple has been filled, 3,000 have been saved, and now this whole gathering, this whole church, come together, and these new believers 
devote themselves, they commit themselves to gathering together. Verse 42 of Acts 2 says this, all the believers, say that, all the believers. All the believers believers devoted themselves, the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Now I want you to notice there that all those four things listed were collective activities. When it talks about the apostles' teaching, it's not talking about they read their Bibles. We need to read our Bibles. When it talks about prayer, it's not talking about personal prayer. We need to pray on our own. Amen? It's talking here about they basically committed to coming together, to hear teaching. Not teaching on the internet, nothing wrong with that. They didn't have the internet in those days. But they actually had to come to a place to hear their local apostolic leaders bring the word. They didn't have Facebook then, but this nothing wrong with connecting via Facebook. They actually had to gather together in person with other living people and build together community. And what you see about this picture in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, is just how countercultural this is. Trust you'd agree with me. Broadly speaking, One of the characteristics of the culture we live in in 21st century Western world is a consumer culture. And basically, what it means is we have more choices and opportunities than anyone else in history. We have all kinds of range of options of things to do with our time and our money. And basically what that does, it feeds this sense of, I want to keep my options open. I want to do whatever I feel like doing, often very close to the moment. I will do what I do based on what feels good for me, based on my preferences. But I want to tell you, if we are going to be the people of God who honor the presence of God, we need to be like these early disciples. Notice it says, they devoted. Message translation, they committed themselves. Nobody here was forcing them. God wasn't forcing them. But it said there was something in them that said, Jesus has changed our lives. And we want to commit. We want to devote ourselves to gathering together. So great is the privilege. Not we have to do this. We get to do this. We need to do this. We want to do this, we must gather. As, so, so what I'm saying is our attitude to gathering should not be based on whether I feel like it. It should be we commit. We devote ourselves as a priority. Now what I want you to do is I'd like you to take your sermon notes wherever you are, in whatever location. Maybe I could have one too. I'd like you to take it, and there's also a pen there, just to check everyone's got it. Can I have a, a wave, please? Can you wave, wave your sheets? Now... Even if you don't normally do, your, do these sermon notes, um, I want you to do an exercise, all of you, with, uh, with me, please. You'll notice under each of the headings I'm going to look at, there's, there's a little grid there from 1 to 10. And I want you, as I go through, pause after each point, to self-assess yourself as to how you think you're doing in commitment to gathering in these five areas. This is not a kind of, oh no, how bad I'm doing guilt trip. This is just, where are we? Let's be honest. Because, you know, how many think that we can all grow? Five of you. Let me try it again. How many think we can all grow? 
yeah, we can, can't we? If they devoted themselves, this wasn't what God did. It's what they chose to do. You have a will. You have a choice. I have a choice. I can get better in my life. And we can get more honoring in our attitude. So we're going to make it really practical. We're going to assess ourselves. And then you'll notice under each one, there's next steps. I don't, don't want you to do the next steps yet. We'll look at that at the, the close of the the message. But for now, let's assess ourselves. If you're a guest here or you're still checking out Christianity, this church is brand new. Don't worry, just listen on and sort of quietly look over the person next to you and see how they're doing. Uh, No, anyway. So let's get ready. Let's look at what does gathering look like? Or more to the point, what did gathering look like for them in that first century church in Jerusalem? And how can we learn from their example? First thing to do, first aspect of commitment or devotion to gathering for greater glory is this. As the temple of God, the new temple of God, let's gather with renewed expectancy. Can we say that word? Expectancy. Do you know there's something about expectancy that makes all the difference? This early church were expectant. Listen to this in verse 43. It says, a deep sense of awe, reverence. Some translations have fear, holy fear. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And what happened in that atmosphere of expectancy and awe? The apostles were, performed many miraculous signs and wonders. How many of you want more of God's miraculous, saving, delivering, healing power to be manifest in his church today? Well, there's something about our expectancy that attracts the presence of God. It really, really does. Holy expectancy. And so I want to just say the fact that you're here means you've come. Thank you for coming wherever you're gathered. But coming and coming with expectancy are not necessarily the same thing. I can come casually. So can you. God wants us to come expectantly. So what does it look like practically? Let, let's, let's dig in a little bit here. Um, you know, do you just come on Sunday because it's the thing you do? I mean, you know, it's good to have ha- habits and patterns and you decide beforehand, just like we said, decide. But I just want to encourage and remind many of us and maybe prompt some of you for the first time to think about the awesome privilege we have of gathering and think every time we come, we get to do this. We get to come together as the spiritual house. We get to honor the one who is worthy and who saved us. We get to minister to other people. We get to see lives eternally transformed. We come with expectancy. And so let me encourage you, a couple of practical things. Why not make sure if you're not doing Come before you get to the meeting, prepare, do your devotions beforehand. Don't just come on Sunday and rely on what we're giving. No, come ready. Come early. Don't just amble into meetings and, oh, well, you know, no, no, let's get rid of complacency. Let's say, God, we're going to come expectant because this is the house of God and God wants to move. Amen. So how would you rate yourself in terms of expectancy? Why not come beforehand, if you can, to our um, pre-service prayer meetings? So right now, I'd like you to mark yourself one to ten on on the sheet. How would you just rate yourself? How expectant are you? One is low, ten is really high. Second area of our attitude to gathering, our commitment to gathering is this. 
as the temple of God, let's gather, and I'd like you to say this one word with me, regularly. Let's gather regularly for larger celebrations and in smaller groups. Verse 46 is kind of like puts more meat on the bones of verse 42. It says they worship together at the temple. It was literally the temple courts outside each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Notice there, they had two contexts where they gathered. Larger gatherings all together outside the temple and in smaller groups in their homes. Do you notice there how often they met? It says they gathered each day. Other translations just say daily. Now, this is a huge challenge to us in the Western world. It really, really is. Here, in this first century church in Jerusalem, they were gathering on a daily basis. Now, let me just say absolutely clear that the culture is different. We do have a lot more options, opportunities, and probably pressures and responsibilities today in, in the 21st century. That, that's, that's kind of a given. And let me just also say as a given that in our culture where Sunday has been eroded, some people have to work shifts, some have to care for elderly parents, and you know, the, 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 there, are, there are things on. I acknowledged all that. But to go from daily to where the, the attendance is, is, is slipping now in the Western world is shocking. There's a survey done recently that identifies committed Christians. One of the heart, hallmarks of being a committed Christian is that you come to church monthly. Now, allowing for culture differences, how do we go from daily to monthly? I heard an American pastor speaking in a leaders gathering we were hosting. He actually leads the largest church in America. And he said this. He says something's going on in the church in America. He says, average now, people are coming often once a month. And they have real short services often, an hour long. And he says, and you could hear his pastor's heart. He said, it's almost impossible. How can we disciple people if they only pitch up once a month for an hour? I mean, think about it. Just think logically. You know, Watching Man City for one match takes longer than that. Your favorite television. I mean, it's, how can we do that? Let, let this be a wake-up call to us. And recognize that if we want to build the house of God, it's not just, oh, we have to. You need to. We need to. God deserves it. We need it. We need to commit to regularly gathering both in larger celebrations and in homes. I'm so glad the Lord taught me about this priority of regularly gathering when I was a new Christian. I was a student at the time. By that time, I'd started going to a very small church out, outside of Oxford. As a student, my form of transport was the bike. Everyone, a bit like in Cambridge, most people are on bikes. And I, I, I didn't really know a lot about spiritual warfare. I didn't understand a lot of things. But what I noticed this, was quite often I came to a point in a week, I almost I never really thought about missing Sunday. But often midweek, 
you know, sort of a wet, cold November evening having to cycle out. And something in me thought, nah. And I learned that when I least felt like going and gathering and I made the effort they were often the times when God most showed up and spoke to me and set me free. And what I didn't realize was that my attitude of nah was a sign that I was spiritually a bit low. And that was all the more reason why I needed to gather. Don't let the devil or your own flesh or circumstances tempt you into thinking, nah, won't bother, do something else, do one of the other things on my list of options. We have the privilege of gathering regularly. We get to do this. We need to do this. And God deserves that we do this. We put him first place. Amen. So how would you rate yourself on regularity of gathering in either larger celebrations or life groups? One being low, 10 being high. Let's gather regularly. Let's gather expectantly. Thirdly, as the temple of God, let's gather to serve and to give. Let's gather to serve and to give. This is what the early believers did. They didn't just come together because of what they could get. They came with an attitude of how can we serve and how can we give. We read the specific context of their, their serving and their giving to one another. I haven't got time to unpack it, but just get the picture here. Verse 44, 45 says, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. In other words, they came front foot ready to give and serve others. Now, there is a real sense in which we need church to, for ourselves. We need to have the word. We need worship. We need the presence of God. We need to get refreshed. We need to get challenged. We need to get encouraged. We need to get changed. We need to get filled. We need to get commissioned to go out and be kingdom ambassadors. That's a given. There's also something that I believe needs to be a given, which is we don't just come to church to consume. We come to contribute. We come to contribute. Now, I've been involved in pastoral ministry now for different contexts over 30 years. And I've observed something. That those who are long-term, most excited, energized, fired up and grateful for local church are almost invariably those who give most in terms of their time, talents and treasure into the local church. They've come to realize, like these early Christians, that in the words of Jesus, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I receive when I come to gatherings. But I don't know about you, if I'd come to church for the, the duration of my time as a Christian simply to receive, I'd have, I'd have lost the plot a long time ago. I mean, my wife knows. I, I've got a low boredom threshold. And there's something about receiving, but there's also something about we come to gather. And my primary motivation in gathering, it's not just because it's my job. I, I was like this before I was called into, into ministry and leadership. My, my thing was, I want to come and help others grow. I want to help build something. I want to see other people's lives transformed. You'll get far more excited about church if you come front foot ready to give, ready to serve, ready to play your part than just come and consume. 
Thank you for the resounding amen. <laughs> just the, the applause rippling through the auditorium was just completely overwhelming. You see, it's very simple. Jesus said, didn't he? Where your treasure is, let's talk treasure, time, talents, and finances. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How are you doing on serving and giving? Well, we've got amazing, amazing people in Kingsgate who are doing just that all the time. Um, one of those couples, great couple, Folu and Addy, uh, let's just hear their testimony. We arrived at Kingsgate 15 years ago with two daughters. We could just sense God's presence and um, we just wanted to be part of that. And as a family, we made the decision that this was going to be our home. I remember Dave talking about a two-week church, the large gathering and the gatherings that we have in homes as life groups. And um, one of the things we knew we needed to do in order for us to grow was to be a part of the two. We also realized that there were slots needed to, for serving in the church. And I remember Dave also saying something about just try out anywhere and then as you try, you'll find out where you know, God had called him into. Adi and I quickly became you know, members of the welcome team, now the Connect team. And it's given us a sense of purpose, a sense of living beyond ourselves that you know, what we've learned and what we, you know, we've enjoyed on Sundays, we're actually able to welcome people, to fill people, to settle people into, into Kingsgate. I think for me, the beauty of gathering is when you do serve, you find God's purpose for your life. I've never um, learned how to pray properly until I got here to Kingsgate and um, being part of the prayer team can say, I, I can truly say has been one of the most transformational things that's ever happened to me. There's been an overflow of God's presence in our lives as we've gathered either the large gathering or the small gatherings and we've taken that into um, our daily life, our work, at home raising the girls, as well, as well as mentoring and discipling other people. It's not just about pitching up, it's about being a participant, it's about serving, it's about finding your place. God has done amazing things in our lives. Over the years we've come, we've belonged and we've made friendships, we've made connections and it's been amazing. I just want to encourage everyone, come in, get pitched in, and make Kingsgate your home. Isn't that great? I love what that little phrase there. Church is not just about pitching up, it's about participating. So let, get your sheets out again. How, how would you rate yourself um, in terms of gathering for serving and giving? To just rate yourself and then we're going to move on. Uh, and number four then. As the temple of God, let's gather for prayer and praise. In the Old Testament is very clear. One of the um, designations of the temple was as a house of prayer. And quite clearly, because God was in the, in the temple, it was a place of worship and praise. And we, so no surprise that we see in this new temple, this New Testament temple, this gathered church in Jerusalem, it says first, they devoted themselves to prayer, verse 42, and then verse 47, it says, they were all the while 
praising God. I love that, an atmosphere and an attitude of prayer and praise. Isn't it a great privilege to be able to pray to the living God? Isn't it amazing privilege we have as priests to minister and worship the living God? You know, gathering for prayer and praise has obviously been one of the characteristics, it's one of the key hallmarks of Kingsgate over the last 28 years. We've sought to build a house of prayer. That's, you know, just fresh off another amazing time of coming together as a church for prayer and fasting in prayer meetings, in touching heaven, something about the, the, the prayer foundations in this church. Many amazing people praying and supporting all that's happened in prayer. And then what we do in our Sunday gatherings, in groups, in other contexts, where we come together to honor the one who saved us, the living God, in praise and worship. I, I saw a funny little tweet this week, I kind of like. It says, there are three times when you need to praise God. Number one, when you feel like it. Number two, when you don't feel like it. And number three, right now. <laughs> I like that. In other words, it's an atmosphere and an attitude of praise and worship both in our own times, but there's something about us coming together in praising God. Now, when it comes to prayer and praise, particularly in the collective sense of us coming together, um, I believe we can come in, in two dispositions. Number one, you can either come as a thermometer or you can come as a thermostat. Do you know what a, ther a thermometer does? A thermometer reads temperature. So let, let, let me kind of imitate for you what a thermometer approach to meetings is. You come in and like, ah, oh, not too good today. Bit, bit spiritually cold around here. Don't like that song. Preferred the lights last week. Come on, some, you've all done that, haven't you? I, I've done that before. You come and you're reading, reading the meeting. But can I say, if you are a priest, if you are part of the temple, if you want to become and be a kingdom builder, and you, then, then there's no place for a thermometer kind of attitude to church and to praise and to worship and to prayer. We need to come instead as thermostats. Do you know what a thermostat does? A thermometer reads temperature. A thermostat regulates temperature. I taught myself way, years and years ago, before I was ever even thought about leading a church. I decided I wanted to come and wherever I showed up in meetings, I wasn't going to come primarily as a thermometer, I wanted to come as a thermostat and I wanted to make a choice to be on fire for God. I wanted to help set the atmosphere rather than read the atmosphere in Jesus' name. Yeah, come on. Because you see, I knew there were people like me who'd come first time in a service who wouldn't even know how to set the temperature because they're not yet Christians and we want hundreds and hundreds of them in our gatherings but we want a whole bunch of thermostats who say whatever my week's been life whatever goes on in my life whether I feel like it or whether I don't I'm going to be somebody who help helps set an atmosphere that the glory of God may manifest I'm going to be a thermostat I'm going to lift up my hands and my voice and I'm going to declare that God is God and something's going to break through in the atmosphere of over my life and spread out to others around it. And I know we don't think this, and we certainly seek not to model this in Kingsgate, but let me just say, 
Church and corporate worship is not just about a band performing for us. It's about every single believer in the house praising God with every fiber of their being. Amen. We're all priests unto God. So question is, how would you rate yourself on 1 to 10 in terms of thermometer is low, thermostat is high? Just, just assess yourself now and then I'll move on to the fifth and the final point. And then I've got five more points. No, joking. One more point. As the temple of God, number five, let's gather and bring others. Notice here there's an overflow. Here this early church, these early Christians are gathering, expectancy, regularity, serving, giving, praying and worshipping, honouring the presence of God. And there's an overflow Something that, of their lives that attracts the presence of God, the glory of God, but also is highly attractive to those who weren't yet Christians around. It says here, they were praising God, enjoying the goodwill or the favor of all the people. And each day, I love that, they're gathering each day, and the Lord is each day doing what? Adding to their fellowship those who were being saved. Can I say there's something about an attitude and an atmosphere, an environment, when we do all these things, that God will come in a greater way and other people will get saved and added in greater numbers. Believe with that? Believe that for me? Next, next four years, we'll see more of that. And as I look back at my conversion, let me just say, just as in this verse here, it's quite clear, it's the Lord who saved them and added all the glory goes to God. He was the one who arrested me in that meeting. He was the one who drew me to himself. He was the one, by his sovereign grace, enabled me to receive him and gave me a brand new life, a new start, new purpose. Salvation is ultimately from God. Amen. But some ones, other than God, prayed for me, invited me, kept on praying for me, even when I was being stubborn. And so I give all the glory to God, to God for my salvation. But I will eternally be grateful to those who prayed for me and had the courage to bring me and kept on persisting until I received the greatest gift of all, the gift of eternal life and the love of God. And so I made a decision all those years ago, I want to be a bringer to. And if we're going to see more of what God wants to do, and we'll talk about going inside out, going out next week, and the call to live as kingdom ambassadors, but as well as us going, if you like, from the inside out, we need to have an attitude that says we want to help people come from the outside in, help them come out from the spiritual cold into the warmth of the family of God and the love of God. Let's be bringers in Jesus' name. Statistically, survey done recently, apart from being brought up in a Christian home, the number one way that people in the UK become Christians is because they come to a church service. And by far and away, the number one reason they come to a church service is because somebody invites them and brings them. Let's be bringers and let's see many more lives transformed. Amen. So how would you assess yourself, final thing, as a bringer? One to ten how are you doing as a bringer? And then let me just close. 
A few minutes after I prayed, we're going to look at some next steps. But just imagine with me if all of us, thousands of us in Kingsgate, all said, next four years, we're going to make a commitment to gather for greater glory. We're going to look at the areas that we're weaker in and we're going to take next steps. Can you believe, can you imagine just how much more God, not just can, but will do in these next four years? You see, James 4, there's a promise, verse 8. He says, come or draw near to God. That's what we're doing with all these things. We're drawing near to God. And what's the promise? He will come near to you. He will draw near to you with his love, his grace, and his presence. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege we have of being a spiritual house, of being a holy priesthood, able to minister to you and other people that their lives might be transformed. Right now, as we begin to go on a journey of considering next steps and growing closer to you and gathering more regularly and more fervently, Lord, let your glory fill every single one of our gatherings in a greater way. In Jesus' name, amen.